Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Training in Public Health podcast. I'm Shamil Haroon, co-editor of the podcast. So this podcast, as the name suggests, is all about specialty training in public health. We hope it provides a platform for health professionals training in public health to discuss their experiences working across a range of organisations to improve population health. The focus is on how those experiences contributed towards gaining skills in the specialty and towards becoming a consultant in public health. So for our first episode, I'd like to welcome Paul Fisher, who recently completed his specialty training in public health in the West Midlands, UK. Thanks very much for joining us, Paul. Um, Could you start by introducing yourself, please? Yeah, I'm Paul Fisher. Um, Just recently finished the training scheme last summer. I'm now a research fellow at the University of Birmingham, um, doing a PhD on the health impacts of climate change in urban areas. Thanks very much. And, and could you tell us more about the placement? What did it involve and, and where was it based? Well, the, the first placement I had at the university was in my third year of the training scheme. Um, it was a six month academic placement and the idea was to spend some time um, you know, trying to understand what it's like in an academic environment at a university, um, write a paper or two, and in particular for me, um, the idea was to pull together um, a PhD bid. So I started putting one together, uh, NIHR bid around climate change and health. Okay. And, and what were the main sort of topics that you were looking at around climate change and health? The paper I produced whilst I was on the placement was looking at ambulance data. So in the past, a lot of research had been done on mortality and um, extreme temperatures rather than morbidity. And when morbidity was was looked at, um, a lot of people were using GP data and and hospital data as that was quite readily available. Um, So I was looking at ambulance data and how that um, is influenced by temperatures. Um, and I was working with the West Midlands Ambulance Service, and they were quite interested in the work we were doing. I mean, they, they were well aware of the issues in winter, um, but I think it's sort of surprising to see the impact in summer as well. And um, I mean, they were struggling to meet some of their um, targets for category, category A, the most um, severe calls that they get, which are supposed to meet 75% of them in, in eight minutes or less. Okay, and, and how did you relate that to climate change? What what were you specifically looking at in relation to the ambulance data? Well, basically what I, I have been doing and, and I'm doing at the moment is looking at the current relationship between temperatures and, and mortality and morbidity, particularly in, in urban environments, so that you can look at you know, what um, those relationships uh, what relationships occurring at the moment and the health impacts are present and then obviously you can use the, those relationships if you understand those a bit better um, to predict the you know, future impacts of climate change in you know, 2030, 2050, 2080 mm-hmm. places. And, and, and what did you actually find? Did you find any relationships between differences in, in temperature and, and ambulance service use? 
Yes, I mean, they had a lot of performance data, so we were looking at their response times, but also um, they break down their calls into 35 different categories. So we were looking at um, some of the broader disease categories, um, and a lot of those had quite strong relationships um, to temperature. Um, and I think you know, one, of, one of the interesting things for the ambulance service were the relationships um, over summer um, and how the, the core volumes were increased during heat waves and more generally over summer as well, um, which is then making it difficult for them to um, reach their target of, of eight minutes response time. I mean, they're, they obviously realised they had a problem in, in winter before because of the um, well, increased calls, but also the, the road conditions as well to get to the, um, to get to the sites. Well, that's, that's very interesting. So it sounds very relevant to the um, to the uh, response planning for the ambulance services. So did did they take on board the analysis that you'd done to change the way they operate in any way? Yes, I mean they they already have the the winter plans in place, but they're looking at um, summer planning now and making more use of the the Met Office's predictions um, and then potentially putting more uh, staff out over in summer to make sure they reach those targets. I mean, we're also working with Public Health England as well, because they've got a, a syndromic surveillance team based in Birmingham, which I've, I've worked with in the past. And they currently look at um, four systems. So they're looking at GP, GP out of hours, NHS 111, and uh, emergency departments to pick up um, potential problems. And so we're, we're working with them as well to look to see whether we could utilise the ambulance data as a fifth um, syndromic surveillance system. That's great. And and what sort of outputs did you get for yourself? I mean, were you able to disseminate your findings through, for example, conferences or, or research papers? Yes. Um, I mean, we've had a paper published um, and we'll be doing an update paper over summer um, and then in the next 12 months or so, uh, we'll be getting a new data set um, from the ambulance data where we'll have um, data at the postcode district level. So we'll be able to do, again, another uh, more in-depth analysis of, of the data. So potentially we'll get free papers out of it. Um, and we've taken a couple of posters to conferences. And I was at the Urban Climate Conference in Toulouse um, just last month, uh, a week-long conference. And I had a, an oral presentation uh, about the ambulance data accepted there. Um, and that got a, quite a lot of uh, attention, people quite interested in, in that data set. Well, that's fantastic. And did you find that other researchers, other public health organisations uh, that were attending, did they present anything like that? Or, or are you aware of other research groups that are doing similar work? Um, it hasn't really been looked at in much detail before. Um, there was a paper from Japan that was looking at uh, the response times, but not so much going into the detail of the different categories that the ambulance services use. Um, so that's, I think that's why the, the paper was published in the first place. We've had a, quite a lot of uh, interest and it was, it was picked up by a number of um, online newspaper outlets as well. Um, that got a lot of comments from, uh, from the readership. So it sounds like it could have quite a lot of impact and it sounds like a very novel piece of work and, and certainly, uh, it's, it's not all that often that we look at the data from other services, such as the ambulance services. 
So um, it does certainly sound like it would have a lot of interest. Um, and just in terms of the skills that you developed, um, could you comment on how they related to the training curriculum? Um, well, I think having that sort of academic placement where you're um, working with a lot of different organisations. I mean, I, I was working with Sustainability West Midlands and obviously the West Midlands Ambulance Service um, and the uh, Birmingham City Council and then the University of Birmingham. So I think working with all those different stakeholders, um, going to a number of meetings, um, producing all the reports, analysing the data, um, you know, publishing the paper, producing um, oral presentations and posters for different conferences will obviously tick off uh, a number of, of competencies. Yeah, of course. Um, and it sounds like a few opportunities arose from that placement as well. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I, I put together um, an NIHR a PhD bid. Um, unfortunately, my placement started late in the year, around November time. Um, so I only had a month or two uh, to put that bid together um, before the deadline. So um, I, did, I didn't really have time to, to do that justice, but there was, a, um, there was an opportunity for a research fellow post at the university, and I basically used the um, NIHR PhD bid um, as a basis for applying for that post, which I got. Um, so I'm in the first year of that three-year contract um, as a okay. researcher, doing lots of teaching and, and um, you know, the admin side of things, course coordination at the university but also undertaking uh, a PhD from that. Um, and also, I mean, there's been lots of opportunities um, from working with different stakeholders. So fr from the work I was doing with the Environment Agency, um, that's led to a, a report um, under the weather. Um, right. Which is now, um, in, in, well, the second version is, uh, has been published. It's on the um, Sustainable Development Unit website. And I'll be going to um, a climate change adaptation conference in September in Manchester um, to talk about that uh, piece of work. And I've also been involved with um, a consultancy URS in Birmingham to do some of their, their work where they've been working with um, different councils around climate change. So it sounds like you've very much developed a niche around climate change and health and, and the academic placement has really helped push that forward. Yes, and I mean, there's certainly, it's certainly opened up a lot of, um, I mean, on the training scheme, you get lots of opportunities to work with um, NHS organisations and, and local authorities. I think some of this has helped um, open up some doors to um, organisations outside that arena. So, for example, I've been working with Sustainability West Midlands, mm. um, and they've, they've made me a board member on their um, climate change uh, board as well. And, and you've done quite a lot of work around climate change and health. Could you just summarise what you think might be the main benefits for population health? I think, um, I mean, the work I'm doing at the, at the moment, obviously, is to understand um, the, the sort of current uh, relationship between um, the temperature and, and population health, which I don't think is, is well understood at the moment. Mm. Um, I mean, there's a focus on heat waves, but there was a recent um, paper just last month in, in The Lancet, which was um, suggesting that around 7% of um, total mortality had some relationship to, uh, to temperature. 
and of that only a very small percentage was actually during during um, extreme cold or extreme hot weather um so obviously those are quite rare events mm. and it's actually um the, the 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 everyday sort of increase in temperature over summer and winter that's caused a lot of the um mortality and morbidity associated with temperatures <clears throat> and also I mean, um with my phd i'll be focusing a lot on uh, health inequalities and how those impacts are more likely to affect the more deprived populations um, in our society. So I think understanding that better will help ensure that when people put together um, climate change adaptation plans, um, hopefully there'll be ones that not only improve the health of the population, but uh, improve the health of the, the more deprived population um, more than other, the other parts of the population, so you know, reducing health inequalities. Sounds brilliant. Um, do you have any advice you'd like to share with other registrars who are interested in gaining experience in this area? Um, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, there's lots of flexibility on the training scheme. So I think a lot of the placements um, I sort of put together, um, it, it was looking at opportunities um, myself. So, for example, around the Olympics, I approached the syndromic surveillance team and asked if I could work with them. Um, so I joined their team for six months over the, you know, the London Olympics. Um, and then again, this placement, um, I already had some contacts at the university um, who had helped me in the past on climate change and health research. So I sort of put that um, together myself. So I think that you don't have to wait for a placement to appear. I and mean, there's lots of opportunities mm -hmm. to put together um, your own placements. I think um, it's good during the training scheme to get a wide range of experience. And certainly in, in my first year or two, um, I tried my best not to do much on sustainability and climate change because I wanted to you know, get a better understanding of, of, of the structures and organizations within the NHS. But I think it, it is good to spend at least some of the time um, on the training scheme to to do what you know, you're, you're really passionate about. Mm. Um, and I mean, take the time on the training scheme as well to try to, you know, understand exactly what sort of thing you like to do. I mean, do, do you like to focus more on the data side or, you know, do you like to spend time with patients and the people or, or looking at the budgets and, and to understand what sort of thing you want um, and you enjoy doing and then then try to try to do that in the future. Um, I mean, I think, yeah, try to think outside, outside the box. Um, and if, you know, I, I think it is useful if you can get yourself a little niche. I mean, that's certainly what I've tried to do. Um, and then within that, uh, try to get to know and speak to the experts. So, I mean, they're, 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 there's likely to be people within your region that know a lot about, you know, whatever subject you're interested in, but probably the, 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 you know, the key experts in the, the UK are probably going to be um, located elsewhere in the country um, and elsewhere across the world. Mm. Um, so, you know, conferences are obviously a good way of getting to know those sorts of uh, people. And there's lots of, you know, there's lots of funds out there. So the, the faculty have got their travel funds. I don't think many um, registrars bid for. And there's a number of EU travel funds people can go for. Um, and that, when you're at university placements, of course, there's the, you know, the university travel funds as well. So how did you hear about the faculty travel funds? Was that something that um, you saw through, for example, the National Yahoo group? Or was there some other way that was... That I, I went to the... Um, I, I got the... Part B award, um, the top part mark in the Part B. So went to the <laughs> congratulations. Thank you. To get that award, and um, 
and, and there was yeah there was a lot of awards given out so i just kept my ear open and listened to to all the awards um and i think it, it when i collected it there was one chap who'd gone to australia and i think he collected three of the different awards um that the faculty give out um and pulled them all together and then went off to australia for six months or so um but i think that was you know partly because he knew all the awards to go for and i don't think there was much competition um for those awards otherwise probably wouldn't have given them the same you know, the same person three different awards okay so it's important then for other registrars to look at what awards are available to help support them and potentially take their work further and potentially overseas as well yes yeah is there anything else you'd like to comment on that we haven't covered um i think also your educational supervisor doesn't have to be um you know your key point of supervision or you know expert knowledge um certainly when i was at the university um there was a professor who was sort of you know my main supervisor although he wasn't an educational supervisor and my um actual dedicated educational supervisor was quite hands-off and then i just uh, updated her sort of once a month um but day-to-day -day supervision and you know 99 percent of the learning was was from other um unofficial supervisors so i think you could yeah you can if you can identify those individuals and um you can do some work with them so obviously they're going to be keen to help supervise if they're getting something out of it as well you can certainly get a lot uh, of expertise um from the non-official educational supervision um i think for for competencies I've, I've always um in all the placements done the work um and then tried to match the competencies to the work afterwards and i think if you go to placements and um you know volunteer for whatever's going and, and try to do you know as, as much sort of work as possible then um it's easy to then i, I found it easy to quite match the competencies to the work um rather than you know, going into placement saying I have to do this, this, and this because these are the competencies I need to meet in the next six months. Because I think that sometimes can limit your um, your possibilities. Okay, so so I guess uh, the two points to draw from there are um, that you've got your educational supervisor, but you can also have project supervisors who um, who can you can draw on their expertise um, that are that are more specific to the, that particular project, um, and and also. Um, not being afraid to take part in a, in a range of projects and finding that, uh, you know, you can actually match those up to a number of competencies, given that much of the work that we're involved in is, is very broad in nature. Yeah. And I think if, if I think one of, one of the issues often on the training scheme is that people aren't given enough sort of responsibility or those, you know, high level, um, projects. And I think if you are looking at the other way around and you focus on those, areas of work that you're really interested in then you're probably more likely to be given you know that bit more responsibility and um yeah you might actually find it easier to to match some of those um competencies that sometimes harder to match you know st4 st5 yeah great well that that's been really helpful paul thanks so much for taking part in the podcast yeah you're more than welcome thank you and many thanks for listening mm -hmm.